The Adam Crowley Show. Baby blue and white. Baby blue and white. Baby blue and white. Oh, that doesn't even sound right, right? Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Ding dong. Touchdown. Listen to the chat. Here we go, Steelers. Here we go. Presented by Corona. Find your beach for game day. Incredible is the only word I can think of. Now, here's Adam Crowley. Just got some jabroni. Chef Plum on Twitter tweet at underscore Adam Crowley. You're missing a giant point regarding Le'Veon Bell. You cannot trade him until he signs the deal. Who can afford him is irrelevant. Hashtag Steelers. It's actually not relevant at all, you dumbass. You need... To have him sign the deal, which I said earlier on in the show, he has to sign the franchise tender, but then someone's got to be able to afford the prorated $10 million or whatever what's left on the contract. So, you're it. Never listen to my show again. Thank you very much. 412-922-2874. I'm testing it. Where'd that come from? I don't know. Listen better, Chef Plum. We got Devin out in Tampa next up on the Crowley Show. Two different Devons today. What's up, man? What's up? So, the organizational arrogance, maybe if we had traded Bell last year, like we should have, we'd have a draft pick to replace Burns if Burns was getting the job done. Just because things are done the Steeler way and we had a great defense in the 70s, do you think that great defense in the 70s could play under these whack girly rules they have now? No way. Our defense doesn't have the personnel to keep up with a lot of the passing offenses, they only have to be good that day. I mean, on a consistent basis, it doesn't seem like we've gotten it right. The only thing we've gotten right is drafting receivers. It seems like we can get receivers right, and we even messed that up, you know, back in the day. But like I said, the defense, I mean, it's it's a day-to-day thing. Are we going to get the good Steeler defense, or are we going to get the, the poorest defense? Can Ben, the, you know, save the defense, or can the, can the defense hold a team down to enough points where – you know, the offense can generate enough points to win the game. It's almost on a yeah, basis. And I, it and, is, and, and I, I appreciate I the call, Devin. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Sorry, we're working with a little bit of a delay here, so I didn't mean to cut you off as much as I did. I did, however, mean to cut you off there at the end. Goodbye. Le'Veon Bell, if he followed the same protocol as last year and came in and was playing, then guess what? The Steelers' offense is a little bit more consistent. And you're not worried about the defense as much because you're thinking the offense can go out there and outscore everybody. That's what the hope was. Uh, The hope was that Le'Veon Bell comes in. He is that guy that we have always seen him be. They score a bunch of points, and then the defensive players get better. Now, in the draft, they didn't love the linebackers that were there whenever they drafted Terrell Edmonds, and they're thinking about going more hybrid, anyhow sliding a safety up into the box. There's still no excuse for John Bostic and Vince Williams being on the field at the same time, all the time. I mean, that's bad. I get it. But if Le'Veon Bell did what he did last year, you're looking at this a little bit differently right now, I think. That's not to say James Conner hasn't been good, but out of the Tampa locker room this week, you've heard, oh, James Conner's a good player, but he's no Le'Veon Bell. Levante David was just talking about that today. He's a good player. He's not the game-breaker that Bell is. And subsequently then, you don't have to prepare for 
James Conner the same way you prepare for Le'Veon Bell. So everyone who wants to play the hindsight 2020 thing here, everyone who wants to say, well, Steelers should have traded him before, they expected him to be here. They were told he would be here. Le'Veon's pulled the wool over their eyes. And unfortunately, those Steelers fans, I don't see him actually getting moved. Now, I've been wrong about a lot. We all are in this industry. We say what we think. We say what we think when we're whispered things in our ear. We are all informed. At least I am informed. But I don't think he's going to be traded. I really don't. You've got a writer for the New York Times, or pardon me, New York Daily News, a little bit of a difference there, who says that Le'Veon Bell is going to be, uh, or is, or is, uh, it's reported that the Jets are looking into trading for Le'Veon Bell. We do this all the time, don't we? When it comes to trade deadlines, when it comes to free agency, uh, when it comes to this, well, they're interested in moving him. Well, just because they answer the phone doesn't mean that they're interested in moving him. It doesn't mean that they're actually fielding offers. Just because the Jets call and they say, we've got a second-round pick waiting for you if you want to give us Le'Veon Bell, doesn't mean it's actually going to happen, and it doesn't mean the Steelers are actually interested. A call is a call. I don't like Kellen. Uh, he's here working on site. He's okay. He's fine. I don't really like the guy. If he calls me, I'm going to answer the phone. What's going on? What's up? Do, is something broken? Are you going to show up to the remote today? What's the, it doesn't mean that I'm his best friend. All right, I joke. I kid. I love Kellen. Kellen, we're boys. But, hey, someone calls, you answer the phone. Kevin Colbert gets a call from the Jets. He's going to answer it. He gets a call from the 49ers. He's going to answer it. He gets a call from the Colts. He's going to answer it. It does not mean that they're actually going to move him. And beyond that, as I already said earlier in the segment, you've got the problem now where Le'Veon Bell has to sign his franchise tender, and then you've got to trade him after that. And what good would it do for Le'Veon Bell anyway? Le'Veon doesn't want to show up here until, at the earliest, you'd think week eight. So what's the difference between him showing up here or someone else, somewhere else? Wherever he goes, they're going to run him into the ground because he could be a rental. It just doesn't make sense on a lot of levels. I don't think it's going to happen. This is coming from Chef Plum at underscore Adam Crowley. He cannot play all year if he wants, but will be tagged again next year for the same amount. Yes, if he doesn't play the entire season, Chef Plum, then it does not toll against his accrued time in the NFL. So it'll be like the same thing happened this year except for next year that is true but i'd be willing to bet the steelers would not slap him with the franchise tag next year 412-922-2874 tweet me at underscore adam crowley oh my god i think i know what's happening i think chef plum is listening to tim benz on the dv morning show or on not morning show dv pregame show because he, he just keeps tweeting things at me that i'm saying that i haven't said Check in on that, Tom. Make it happen, okay? Find out if he's tweeting. He's trying to tweet at Tim Ben. I'm on it. I'm going downstairs right now to see if they're doing any bell talk. This one from Braden at underscore Adam Crowley. I feel like you're a little angry today, man. Is it because you have to do post-game, too? Am I doing post-game today, Tom? You are doing post-game. You and Charlie Batch. What? Yep. When did that happen? I didn't know that. I think they decided today, actually. Oh, jeez. All right, I guess I can. If Batch is the backup quarterback and I'm the backup to Stan... Who goes in if Batch doesn't want to do it? I think we get Landry Jones. I think we get Landry. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Tiger Woods won this weekend. 
And we'll get back into the Steelers coming up in about 12 minutes with Jenna Lang, covers the Bucks for ESPN in Tampa Bay. I love it when Tiger wins. We haven't seen it in five years. I love it when Tiger gets close to winning. Uh, we have seen that a couple of times in majors this year. And I love it because you get the loud, obnoxious Tiger lovers, right? And I'm not quite in that group, but almost there. Tom and Brian are in that group, and they suck me in. And then you also get the other side that says, I don't have to like him. I don't have to like Tiger Woods. You love Tiger Woods. I don't have to like Tiger Woods. And you get that from guys like Colin Dunlap on the station across the street. You get that from Mark Madden. I was driving in listening to him today, and he said, I don't have to like Tiger just because you like Tiger. I mean, I have to like him. He's an adulterer. He's not a great guy. Mom, 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 I'm not telling you you have to like Tiger. No one's saying you have to. I'm saying if you don't like him because of past quote-unquote atrocities, if you don't like him because of immoralities, then why do you like a guy like Ben Roethlisberger? If you don't like him because of things he's done in the past, then why do you, Steelers Nation, root for a guy like Antonio Brown who's had a dozen different kids with three different women? If adultery pisses you off, then shouldn't promiscuity? So I just wonder why there's this line. Is because it's a team sport and you're going to root for your colors no matter what? Because for me, I'm just interested in entertainment. And I don't need Tiger Woods to be the morality police. I don't need you to be the morality police to tell me whether or not it's okay to like Tiger. If you don't want to like him, that's fine. Just don't tell me all the different reasons why you don't like the guy. Because you can make that claim for just about every guy in professional sports. They're probably all, for the most part, uh, doing the infidelity thing. A lot of them behave in a manner that you probably wouldn't want your daughter to date or marry. Okay, that's just the reality here. So I want to watch Tiger Woods, the golfer. And I want to watch Tiger Woods, the story. Tiger Woods coming back from his back, being fused, friggin' together. Coming back from addiction. That is a great story to me. That is entertainment to me. And it's 187% better the ratings were this year for the same tournament from last year because Tiger Woods was in the mix and he wound up winning the tournament. This is on an NFL Sunday. People care. If a golfer can get people to look away from the NFL on a Sunday, then sweet Jesus, you know something special is going on. I think Tiger Woods needs to be looked at as the golfer. I think Tiger Woods needs to be looked at as an athlete. Not as this terrible person, but on as a redemption story from even just the injury. It's remarkable and the thing that really gets me is that tiger woods goes from never being an underdog and madden brought this up today he's not an underdog at all he's never been an underdog in his life that's bs tiger woods was never an underdog until five years ago and then he's been an underdog ever since you've got freaks of nature like brooks kupka that are hitting the ball seven thousand yards you've got rory mcelroy you've got justin rose you've got a dozen golfers that are young in the prime of their career that are hitting the ball further than it's ever been hit before. They're the new generation. Tigers got up, got to go up against them after having to come back from spinal fusion surgery. If you can't appreciate that as a sports fan, you got to bring morality into it. You're not really that good of a sports fan, are you? Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tom, I know you're giddy, man. I know you're just. Well, you're probably going from six till midnight right now, just hearing. Oh my God, it's, it's Tiger Woods. It's unbelievable. And the the point that you brought up about him being an underdog now, 
those people that are now trying to say, oh, he's not an underdog, blah, 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 were the same people that created the narrative that spun him in the underdog light by saying, oh, he'll never win again. He's not, he doesn't have what it takes. He, he, he's washed up. Every time he enters a golf tournament, he's wasting his time. Well, he shoved it right up their butts this weekend, and I couldn't be happier. No, me neither. And I can't understand being so consumed with morality as somebody who cares about major oh, it's so sports. I mean, it's dumb. Uh, these guys, a lot of them aren't great people. Now, a lot of them are, admittedly. I mean, Stefan Tua, Cam Hayward, the, the list goes on and on. There are good people, but it's all kind of a sham, right? Collegiate sports is a sham. We watch that, right? Oh, we're good with it. It's not professional. It's not for the student-athletes, yet they say that it is, and yet they make money like it's a professional sports league. Like you look at the NFL, players suspended for marijuana usage, players suspended for this, suspended for that, not spending long enough for domestic violence. LaShawn McCoy still playing football right now, yet you'll still root for the Buffalo flipping bills, and you can't bother to flip on the TV and watch Tiger Woods because, oh, man, he's such a bad guy. He's a phony. If you're a sports fan and you don't like Tiger, don't you still owe it to yourself, Tom, to watch the event? No, that's a, you're, it's it's history that you're witnessing, and and again, yeah, you can hate him, but he's still. This was his 80th win on the PGA Tour. That's unbelievable, and that's something that, like you said, as a fan of sport, you have to sit down and watch and admire. Did you see the picture of Tiger in his first ever win on tour alongside the picture of Tiger with his 80th win? He doesn't look like he's aged that much, but sweet Jesus, what has happened to him over the years? It's unbelievable. I, the guy's body has been through hell and back, and he still looks in better shape than I ever was in my life. He will win a major now, and I didn't next think year. so before. It's going to happen next year. He's already the favorite to win the Masters next year. Yeah, well, a lot of that takes the betting into account, too, true, true. in the general public. I, I, I think I, he's going to win one. If he wins the Masters, holy hell, it's going to be one of the greatest comebacks, maybe the greatest comeback ever in the history of sports. That being said, him coming close these last couple of times in the majors, I thought that might have been his last best chance. I thought, okay, it's not all that often we're going to see him contend again, so when he does, he's got to make the most of it. Well, he didn't, but now he wins again, and I do think he'll have an opportunity to put his hat in the ring more often, and if he does, he will, I think, eventually win one. Yeah, and the scariest... Oh, oh, can I, can I get another word Delay, 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 get a word in, the get a word in. The scariest part is he just completed a full season of golf healthy, won a tourna, tour, tour event, and now he gets an off-season healthy to go reload, go back into next year. It, it, he can only. I, I. It sounds dumb to say it because it's Tiger Woods, but he can only get better. Got a question from Pete about what the Steelers should do with Le'Veon Bell after this season. I think it's cut and dry. I'll explain what's going to happen coming up next, and we will hear from Jenna Lane, who covers Tampa Bay Buccaneers for ESPN. She'll give us a scouting report on what to expect tonight when the Steelers meet Tampa Bay. It is Corona Tailgate Talk, five dollar Corona Drafts live here from Mullins. Come on by, say hello. We'll be doing it before every single primetime game. Right here on ESPN Pittsburgh. Adam Crowley. I'm only happy whenever I get retweets. My dopamine levels only go through the roof whenever I'm seeing retweets. Right, that's the life that I'm living. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. This is Tailgate Talk with Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. 
presented by Corona. Find your beat for game day. Now, here's Adam Crowley. Braden tweeted in a little bit earlier that I seemed angry today, and I was triggered. Uh, I am a little snowflake bitch, and I'm live at Mullins. And one of the reasons why I was triggered is because somebody kept replying to me on Twitter saying I had this whole Le'Veon Bell situation backwards. And it turns out it's because he was tweeting at Tim Benz, who's doing the DVE pregame show. Love you, Benzie. You should probably be listening to ESPN Pittsburgh, though. And I just went off on this guy. I apologize, sort of. This one from Pete. Adam underscore Adam Crowley. I want to know what you think the best course of action is with Bell. Let him walk after this year. Sign him and keep him. Sign him and trade him. What do we keep? What do we do keeping our future cap situation in mind? My reading also on point today. They're not going to do anything with Le'Veon Bell. Uh, if they, if he does come in and sign the tender, he will play. Uh, I believe they want him to sign the tender. They want him to play. They believe they're a better football team with Le'Veon Bell. That's why they offered him $70 million over four years with the uh, $30 million guaranteed. But they're not going to sign him to an extension after this. They're not going to find a way to get him a contract. He doesn't probably want to be here with Pittsburgh. He wants to make the most money he possibly can. So it's not going to happen. He has a follow-up. If sign-and-trade is the answer, what do we have to get for him? Look, they can't do a sign-and-trade. And that's one of the things people are confused about here. They can have him sign the franchise tender, and then it's prorated. So what he would be owing the rest of the season, say $10 million, the Steelers would owe him. Whoever they trade him to, they'd owe that as well. They can't, whoever he wants to play for long-term, sign a deal to him now. They can't have the Steelers sign him to a deal now and then trade for him. That's not the way this works. If he's going to play this year, the only way he can play is if he plays it on the franchise tender. That's it. That's the answer. So that's why we're not going to see a trade in all likelihood because the team would need to have a guarantee, the team that's getting him, that he would wind up wanting to play, and we just don't know that for a fact right now. Jenna Lane joins us now here on the Crowley Show. She writes for ESPN. She covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Jenna, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Absolutely, absolutely. Jenna, is Ryan Fitzpatrick the greatest quarterback of all time? (laughs) If you ask some folks around here with the way Fitzmagic mania has just swept over everyone, they might tell you yes. And some of the stats, actually, when you – when you look at some of the stats that he's put up in the first two weeks, and I, I obviously don't just focus solely on stats, but when there are some categories where you're talking about, you know, Dan Marino and Joe Namath, he's put up some comparable performances, but it's just two weeks. Only two weeks. I will say, looking back through the annals of NFL history, uh, he's got better numbers overall, does Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, than a Hall of Famer Troy Aikman. That's just the of course, change in eras, but it was funny to me. Uh, Jenna, what's making him so successful? The running game really hasn't been there, but it's almost as if they don't need it. I have been trying to figure that out. I've asked him. I've asked the receivers. You know, one thing I think that it's helped them out a lot, well, first of all, the fact that, yes, he's a backup quarterback, but since training camp started, Dirk Cutter has said, this is the guy that's going to get our first team reps. Jameis did get some reps with the ones as well, but all summer long it's been Ryan Fitzpatrick and these guys. You know, they wanted to improve his chemistry with Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson and O.J. Howard and, and Chris Godwin and Cam Brate, and you really can see that, that they have done that. And I also think that this is 
A big factor in this has been Todd Munkin now being the sole offensive coordinator. He used to split time between being the wide receivers coach and the offensive coordinator. He is such a detail-oriented guy. I think he's great at, at analyzing certain things. I mean, I've had some of the receivers tell me, Freddie Martino told me that, you know, you'll, you'll do things that you do every single day, the way you run your routes, the way you go up to catch the ball, and, and he will break apart those things so much, you know, even down to your fingertips. And he's taken that and, and really – apply that to the entire offense you know he thinks that and I've seen it as well receivers are really finishing their routes you know they're showing better technique when they're going up to get the ball OJ Howard for instance you know we had a pretty good rookie rookie season that tight end but you know there were certain things that he wanted to improve on coach Munkin really wanted him to work on on being more of a physical player he didn't feel like he was maximizing his his you know physical presence he's such a big big guy it should be a huge mismatch so they worked every day after camp practice on little things like you know going up to catch the ball and the fingertips and everything and you're just really starting to see that pay off well you kind of got into it there and jenna lane joins us here she covers the bucks for espn it is espn pittsburgh and the crowley show how does the team look to fitzpatrick as i said you kind of got into that but how does that go down when Jameis comes back, the, the franchise? Well, I think the decision will be a little bit easier for them this next week because they're going to be coming back on a shortened week. Jameis, the first practice is going to be on Wednesday, but I, I think that because it's going to be a shortened week for them and they're going to be going on the road, it makes more sense for them just to keep things moving with Fitzpatrick unless some injury happens, knock on wood, substitute. And in that case, they're going to be having a bye week right after that. And, you know, you could continue to ride the hot hand if you want. I know Deshaun Jackson sure wants that. He's had back-to-back 100-yard receiving games, and he's been on fire. He's already matched his touchdown total from last season. Um, and and I asked him, I said, could you replicate that with Jameis? And he said, you know, we couldn't get it done last year, but we worked really hard at it in the offseason. But he has flat-out said they need, to keep the, they need to keep the hot man in. You can't take him out. So, um, but he's also said as well, you know, we feel really fortunate about having two great quarterback options, two very capable starters. So, but personally, I think that they need to leave him in and because everybody knows the cycle of Fitz magic and, and how this goes, he's going to have a few great games and then it's going to kind of level off a little bit at that point, let the transition happen naturally. And I don't even think Jameis Winston would necessarily disagree with that. And, and keep in mind, too, he stood up in front of this team before he left, and he told them all, I hope you guys go 3-0. and I just don't think anybody thought that it was possible. But they have a chance to do it now. Yeah, you want to talk about the schedule to start the season for Tampa Bay. You go on the road, you play the Saints, and you get the world champion Philadelphia Eagles coming in. You get the Steelers, who were 13-3 and last year. I think you'd have to say that Tampa Bay is playing above what people thought that they would coming into the season. Jenny, you mentioned uh, Freddie Martino uh, in one of your earlier answers. I didn't know they had any other receivers other than Evans or Deshaun Jackson. I didn't know that they needed them. They do, and they actually uh, – Chris Godwin is a guy that you don't always hear him being talked about, but he's a guy that I really think – and actually, he's a, he's a co-starter along with Deshaun Jackson. You've got Mike Evans being the number one guy, and then he's actually listed next to Deshaun as, as the starter opposite Evans. And he's a guy that during training camp practice, this is one of the reasons why my mind has just kind of been blown with Jackson's production, is that we could see the writing on the wall. This is the last year Jackson's got and guaranteed money in his contract. And obviously you guys know about that wide receiver money and those contract situations and everything. And, and it, the writing on the wall was just, all right, you know, he's, he's getting 
getting up there in age. They couldn't get the deep ball going with Jameis last year. So after this year, most of us assumed he was on his way out. And that's the way the Bucks do the contracts anyway. They're really mostly two-year deals, even if on paper they say three. And, and Godwin was just the most consistent guy they had. He doesn't have Jackson's speed, but he's got the physicality of Evans. He competes for the ball. And since he got here and it's continued, Dirk Cutter has – constantly and Mike and Mike Smith has done the same thing they compare him to Roddy White they think that he could be a Roddy White in this league the biggest thing about Godwin is the fact that he since he's gotten into the league he he just he's pro ready he understands from a mental standpoint what it takes he's he's the last guy you have to worry about what he's doing on a Friday night or a Saturday night or anything he just is very focused on what he's doing and he's just so darn consistent so even if Jackson does leave at some point or, or God forbid he gets hurt that's another guy that you have to worry about because he's he's a really good receiver. I'm excited to see what the future holds for him. Jenna, I think a lot of the conversation around here in town has been how good the offense is for Tampa, how bad the Steelers' defense has been through two weeks. What do the Bucks bring to the table defensively? Uh, how good of a unit can this be? Well, I'll tell you what. In week one, this Bucks defense really struggled. They had, a, and, and, and they're not the first, and they're not going to be the only team that struggles against Alvin Kamara. They had issues with uh, really defending the option in week one that they saw from the Saints. They had a lot of empty backfields, and they really spread this defense out. But then in week two against the Eagles, we saw a defense really, really, I think, pick it up, and, and they were able to kind of, and of course it's a different offense with the Eagles, but they were really, I think, able to just, you know, read their keys better. They were in better position to make plays, which which was a big positive because they were without Brent Grimes. And some people have said, and I've been, I, I would agree that he is he is one of their best players on defense. At times, he has played like their best player on defense. So having him back, which we expect to have him back on Monday, that's going to be huge for them. But the fact that they did it without him this past week, I think was was really big. Uh, they have a really young secondary, though. Um, they have, especially with Grimes' injury, they had two rookies that were having to uh, start, uh, at least if you count the nickel position as a starter, Carlton Davis and MJ Stewart. They're young guys, and, and you guys know, because Artie Burns is still a young guy, too. These young guys will have their, their kind of their growing pains. They'll give up big plays here and there, but um, they they are definitely, I think, playing, living up to expectations, so that's good. But this is a defense that's also had to account for the loss of Vernon Hargraves. That hasn't been easy on them. Bo Allen, you know, he's the latest defensive tackle to go down. They've had some injuries there. Jason Pierre-Paul was banged up, but he's still playing. And Vita Vea, he has not practiced in seven weeks. He finally returned to practice this week. So it's going to be really interesting to see how much he can actually get out on the field because when you're a guy that came into the league at 350 pounds and you don't practice for seven weeks, it's going to take a lot to get you out on the field. I know he's lost about 15 pounds, but um, their pass rush, they definitely have guys that are banged up. So, But this defense, so they, they do have their moments, but they also have their moments on the other side of things when they do give up some explosive plays. Jenna, really good stuff. Thank you so much for taking the time, and I will see you on Tampa on Monday. Absolutely. Sounds good. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I keep doing that. I get a guest on, yeah, I'll see you there. I'll see you there. I'm not going to the game in Tampa. I'm at Mullins. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a bitch of a commute for me to get there in three hours. I don't think it's going to happen. Kellen had his microphone turned up, and then he laughed. And then he said the F-bomb promptly after he turned himself down. That was a dangerous little game you played yeah, there, buddy. Con, Things could have gone haywire. Yeah, it gets uh, it's a little bad. Coming up next, we talk to Tom and we clean up his tears because Pitt stinks. 
I'll tell you a little bit about the Buccaneers' offense and defense. And we got the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. It's the Crowley Show. The Adam Crowley Show. Do your best Crowley impression. Go. Oh, my God, I love West Virginia so much. Will Greer is awesome. Yeah, I'll get on my knees for Will Greer. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Oh, yes, Adam Crowley. This is Tailgate Talk with Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Presented by Corona. Find your beat for game day. Now, here's Adam Crowley. Come on by Mullins on the north side. Grab some... Corona, $5 for a draft. It is the Crowley Show as we approach the Steelers Radio Network pregame show with Mike Pursuta, Bob Labriola, and Jerry Dulac. We'll be joining them coming up on about a half hour here on ESPN Pittsburgh. Steelers went from being two-and-a-half-point favorites now being one-point underdogs against Tampa Bay. One of the reasons why, obviously, now is that the entire right side of the offensive line not going to be playing in this game. You've got Matt Filer playing right tackle. Uh-oh. Uh, you've got B.J. Finney playing right guard. I'm okay with that. B.J. Finney's a good player. Uh, I thought it'd be Chooks Okorafor, though. I-, I thought he'd be the first tackle up in rotation, but they believe in Filer enough that they're going to let him have the opportunity. Here's the deal. Filer's a good run blocker. So that tells me that maybe they're feeling like that's the game plan here. Run the ball. Control the clock find a way to keep the great Ryan Fitzpatrick off the field and see what happens from that point moving forward. He is the greatest quarterback of all time, after all. Here are some statistics that Tampa's been putting up this year. On offense, they've been one of the higher-scoring teams in the league uh, after putting up 48 the first week and uh, against a great Philadelphia defense, 27 in the second week. 78% completion percentage for Ryan Fitzpatrick, eight touchdowns to one interception, and a quarterback rating a balmy 151.5. But you think that stat line's crazy? Here's Deshaun Jackson, wide receiver for TB. Nine targets, nine catches, 275 yards, 30 yards a catch, three touchdowns. Guy's a monster. Antonio Brown's been targeted 33 times, and he's complaining. This guy's targeted nine times, nine catches, 275. That's 30 yards a catch. And then Mike Evans on the other side, 17 catches for 230 and two touchdowns. They've got a good tight end game as well. O.J. Howard, he's the guy, first-round pick last year, really good player. They can throw the ball, but they can't run the ball. That's the problem. If you can make them beat you going down the field, if you can play some zone defense, I think that's what the Steelers will do tonight with Cody Sensabaugh likely starting in the place of Artie Burns, then... You can beat these guys. Make them drive the length of the field. Don't let them go 30 yards a pop at a time to their big play guys, Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans. You keep it in front of you, you tackle, and you're going to be okay there. Now, that being said, you have faith that the Steelers' defense can do that. That's where I am worried. Can the Steelers make them burn them over the course of a drive as opposed to just take that big shot? I don't know. That's one of the reasons Artie's not going to play as much. Artie's susceptible to the double move. Artie's susceptible to the big play. You've got young safeties playing back there. Sean Davis, first time with his new partner, Terrell Edmonds, as Morgan Burnett is not going to be playing in this game. And in sub-package football, you're going to see Nat Burhe in there instead of Morgan Burnett, too. So I think you want them to beat you methodically. You want them to take time as they move the ball. You want to run the football to help your defense. And we did not see the Steelers do that enough last week. 
they fell behind 21 nothing, and everyone wants to blame the defense for that. Yeah, that's understandable, but the offense went 1-3 and out, 2-3 and out, 3-3 and out. If you put up points, if you move the football, if you keep it away from their offense, then maybe you don't fall behind 21 nothing. Maybe you bleed the clock a little bit. Maybe you make things a little bit easier for your defense to settle in. So the offense and the defense have to play together tonight. There has to be that symbiotic relationship, and that'll tell you how much to really have faith in this club moving forward. Because I don't think the defense is going to be great. I think the defense can be okay, but the offense needs to help. Two years ago, when the Steelers started off 4-5, and five, they're playing... After they played Dallas, they just lost to Dallas in one of the final plays of the game. And the defense wasn't good, and you're thinking, all right, what's the game plan? And from that point forward, it was Le'Veon Bell, 147 yards a game. Steelers did not lose. They didn't have an identity before then. They decided they were going to settle on their identity, which was run the stank in football. And the defensive numbers got better, too. Why? Because not on the field so damn much. So let's see if they start doing that in this game a little bit more. Let's see if they try to take their time. Be more methodical. I think that's the game plan. It should be the game plan going in. As for this Tampa Bay defense, opposing opposing quarterbacks, pardon me, have a rating of 115. They've got a completion percentage of 77. So you can't throw on these guys, but they can get to set it up in the run game. You can move the ball through the air. Now, they are only giving up 3.6 yards per carry, but they've got some injuries on that defensive line. Why drive when you can fly is usually what I say, but I think you need to do a little bit of both in this game, again, to keep their offense off the field. Who are their good players? Gerald McCoy, he's really good on that D-line. He clogs the middle. And Levante David's really good sideline-to-sideline player at the linebacker position. He's already got 18 tackles. Now, the defense isn't great at getting the quarterback on the ground. 97 dropbacks for their opponents, only four sacks. Keep that in mind with the Steelers having a couple of backups in there on the offensive line. Tom, what time is it? And now it's time for the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by To Be Determined. Woo! I say all the time, I can spout off statistics. I can tell you what I think is going to happen. We can have experts on, like Jenna Lane, who's covered Tampa Bay for a couple of years now, like Matt Williamson, who we had on earlier in the program, who was a scout in the league and has been covering the NFL for 30-ish years now. But he can't predict the league. Detroit sees New England come in. Detroit had been one of the worst teams in football. New England's New England. And Detroit beats them, and it was never close. New England possessed the ball like eight minutes in the first half. You can't predict ball. Buffalo goes to Minnesota, one of the best teams in the league in the Vikings. They finally got their quarterback, the only piece that they were missing from being a legitimate Super Bowl caliber team last year. They're 16-point favorites, and they lose. Not by a little, but by 21. You can't predict the NFL. Tennessee beats Jacksonville after Jacksonville had beat up on the New England Patriots, who are one of the best teams you thought in football. They're not. Not right now, at least. But you thought they were good. Jacksonville stomps them. You think Jacksonville's good? Well, they only score six points against Tennessee and lose to a team that started Blaine Gabbert, and then after Gabbert got hurt, they put back in Marcus Mariota. Bizarre. You can't predict the NFL. How about Washington beating Green Bay? Now, that made some more sense to me. Washington's looked pretty good early in the season. Green Bay's got a couple of injuries, including Aaron Rodgers, who, in addition to hurting his knee, hurt his hamstring in that game. But you can't predict the NFL. We don't know what we're watching. 
Jimmy Garoppolo, he went down for the count. He's out for the season, and the talk is Savage. Tom from Pitt going to be playing. That's not good. They're done. They will have a top five pick in the draft next year. They've got good players on both sides of the ball. They're building in the right direction. But without Jimmy G, they're trash. With Tom Savage, they're trash-er. And I wonder, where's Landry Jones? Why isn't anybody picking Landry? You might think Landry's bad. Well, so does the rest of the league, I guess. I think he's better than most people in town do. Shouldn't he be the guy? Hey, maybe he knelt down during the national anthem. Last thing here in the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by do, To Be Determined. Woo! I set Calvin Ridley in fantasy, and I want to throw myself into traffic. What the hell was I doing? I played him week one, zero catches, zero points. I don't play him yesterday, a million catches, three touchdowns, and 40 fantasy points. That tells you how things go. I hate myself. The guy I did play, Josh Doxson, no catches, no points. Maybe it's a me thing. I'm going to hold it against Calvin Ridley. That was the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. Coming up next, I got the three stars of the show, the hottest take of the day, and other crap. It's ESPN Pittsburgh. Adam Crowley. And back in the day, when you finished off a guy, you threw him down, and then you drilled him, you gored him. It was a way of letting him know, hey, look it, I'm here all day. Uh, hello. The Adam Crowley Show, 970 AM, 106.3 FM, and the iHeartRadio app. Drilled him, you gored him. Listen to the chat. Here we go, Steelers. Here we go. This is Tailgate Talk with Adam Crowley. What a leaping grab by Antonio Brown on the near sideline. Presented by Corona. Find your beach for game day. Incredible is the only word I can think of. Now, here's Adam Crowley. Wrapping things up before we hit the Steelers Radio Network pregame show with Mike Pursuta, Bob Labriola, and Jerry Dulac coming up in just a few minutes here on ESPN Pittsburgh. Steelers and Tampa tonight. Tampa coming in at 2-0. The Steelers 0-1-1, desperately needing to avoid an 0-2-1 start as the percentages start to not fall in their favor if you go winless through the first three. Here's... One thing I'm paying attention to tonight. Cody Sensabaugh is going to play more than Artie Burns. He took a lot of first-team reps from Artie Burns earlier on in the week. Artie Burns is not the only guy who slighted here, though. I keep reading and seeing and hearing people say, oh, this looks terrible for Burns. It looks bad for Cam Sutton, too. Because if Burns isn't going to play, if you're going to try to give somebody else the reps, I always thought Sutton would be the guy. I thought that they were waiting for that to happen. Maybe they were, and now they don't think it can happen. The other thing I think is Cody Sensabaugh is a much better zone player than he is a man player. Cam Sutton's more of a man guy. Artie Burns, probably a better man guy at this point in his career, although when's that light ever coming on? So it leads me to believe the Steelers are going to play a lot of zone tonight. You've got two tremendous deep threats in Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson in this game. Deshaun Jackson has nine catches on the season for 275 yards, 30 yards a catch. The guy gets deep down the field. Steelers want to keep him in front of him. They want to keep Mike Evans in front of him. He's got over 200 yards, 17 catches, two touchdowns this year. Both guys, big play players, go up and take the ball away from you at the catch point, and they'll get behind you with their speed. So you play zone, you play cover three, keep him in front of you. 
I think that's one big game plan. Tampa also doesn't run the ball all that well. So if you can stop whatever it is of the run game they try to get going, that also helps you in taking it away, the deep pass, because play action's not going to be a part of it either. Uh, as for the Steelers, I think that with the pass protection maybe being an issue tonight, uh, with maybe weather I'm reading being an issue tonight, you're going to have to run the football. Matt Filer, he's going to play right tackle. He's not a great pass protector. He's a good run run blocker. Run the football behind him. Run the football behind Alejandro Villanueva. Get after Tampa Bay. Keep their offense off the field while also converting, moving the chains yourself, and then putting the ball in the end zone. If the Steelers want to win, I think they got to not only put up in the upper 20s or low 30s in this game, but also keep Tampa Bay off the field as much as possible. I'll give you the prediction as we wrap up the show, but now it's time for the hottest take of the day. It's time for the hottest take of the day. <laughs> Heather like done effed up. UNC, North Carolina, they have two wins in their last 11 games. They're both against Pitt. They were 3-9 and nine last year. They just beat them on Saturday. Pat Narduzzi says that Pitt's going to be in the ACC championship game prior to the season. He said, we'll see you all there because we're going. No, you're not. If you can't beat UNC, who are you going to beat? What a boob. He looks like an idiot, and Heather Like, by extension, because of the extension, also looks like an idiot. Getting blown out by a top-10 team, even if it's your rival, happens. Losing to Penn State in that fashion when you make that many mistakes, it sucks, but you can kind of live with it. You're not in Penn State's class. You should be in a different class than UNC. And right now, they're not. They've yet to beat that program. Not in basketball, since Pitts joined the ACC, but in football. Losing to one of the worst teams in Power 5, and a team that's been dealing with suspension issues, that's unacceptable. In a program that has gotten rid of guys that have been good coaches, like Jamie Dixon. Like... Wanstash. To now give this clown a seven-year extension till 2024 prior to the season and then see him lose two out of the first four games in a couple of embarrassing fashion, it's a hell of a problem. Terrible problem for the University of Pittsburgh. That was the hottest take of the day. Woo! Other crap. It's been 474 days since Cleveland and Tiger won in the same weekend. Woo! Other crap. Tom, does it count since Cleveland, they went on Thursday? Are we counting that one or no? Nope, Thursday's not the weekend. It's been Woo! three days since Cleveland. <laughs> Other crap. It's been three days since Cleveland won a football game. Woo! Other crap. It's been 475 days since Pitt basketball won a conference game. It's time for the three stars of the show. Tonight's third star of the show, Landry Jones! Tom Savage getting an opportunity to come in and play in place of Jimmy Garoppolo. That's the conversation right now. What the hell happened to Landry Jones? Was he kneeling down during the national anthem or something? Tonight's second star of the show, Pitt! How about Pitt? They suck. Pat Narduzzi stinks. Pitt stinks. They've lost to North Carolina four straight years under Pat Narduzzi's tutelage, and you gotta wonder, what in the world have they seen in him where they can give him a seven-year extension? Can you believe that? 
This is the same program that fired Jamie Dixon, or let him walk away, that fired Dave Wanstash, that now has given Pat Narduzzi, prior to the season, a seven-year contract expecting what? That he's going to beat Miami every year? That he's going to beat Clemson once out of every couple of years? As if that matters. And tonight's first star of the show, Tiger Woods! I don't have to like him. I don't have to like Tiger Woods. You love Tiger Woods. I don't have to like Tiger Woods. And you get that from guys like Colin Dunlap on the station across the street. You get that from Mark Madden. I was driving in listening to him today, and he said, I don't have to like Tiger just because you like Tiger. I mean, I have to like him. He's an adulterer. He's not a great guy. Ma, 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 ma. I'm not telling you you have to like Tiger. No one's saying you have to. I'm saying if you don't like him because of past quote-unquote atrocities, if you don't like him because of immoralities, then why do you like a guy like Ben Roethlisberger? If you don't like him because of things he's done in the past, then why do you, Steelers Nation, root for a guy like Antonio Brown, who's had a dozen different kids with three different women? If adultery pisses you off, then shouldn't promiscuity? Man, I just nailed all those takes. Oh, it's fire. Don't need any other stars, just me. I, I agree. I'm a pro.